Have you ever found yourself struggling to convert the sales calls to actual sales? Do you grapple with balancing persistence and pushiness? Or find yourself tangled up when dealing with objections? How can you overcome these sales challenges? Well, that's exactly what we're going to uncover in today's episode. Welcome to the Christian CEO Podcast. I'm Katie Bother, and I have built an impactful location independent business since 2008 with plenty of rejections, English as my third language, and lots of God's grace. Each week, we will be sharing relevant and direct advice or inspiring interviews with one intention. It's your time to go pro with your marketplace calling. Now, let's get to it. Hi there, Katie Bother here. I'm the host of the Christian CEO Podcast. And today we have someone special with us. He's a brother who not just conquer these challenges, but is helping others to do the same. His name is Justin Jonaski. He is a maestro behind hundreds of sales stories, guiding coaches from different walks of life to build their dream business. In this episode, we are peeling back the layers of Justin's personal business journey. Also, what makes his approach is so unique and active. But hold on, we're not stopping there. We also dive deep to his 10-step sales process that redefine how we approach sales. We ask him some tough questions, such as how does he structure his sales calls? How does he tackle objections in a way that turns the tide in his favor. And a big one, how can one be persistent without coming off as pushy? If you are a budding entrepreneur or coaches, experts, consultants, that you want to aim to streamline your business and skyrocket your sales, then this episode, you really don't want to miss. Now, let's check with Justin. By the way, this episode is sponsored by our very own She Inherited Founder Academy. What is She Inherited Founder Academy? It's a premier community for Christ-centered female founders to start, grow, and scale your online business elegantly. We focus on identity-aligned positioning, compassion-driven marketing, and confidence-fueled selling to establish your business and solid ground for accelerated growth. In short, Real women build real business and serve a real God. Inside the community, we focus on four key areas, but not limited to. We talk about, first of all, you becoming the CEO that God has called you to be. You know, we talk about biblical principle for business, clarity on your short-term and long-term goals, and build a bridge between where you are now to where you want to be. Learn how to steward five essential areas in your business and life, master the business legal and administration and finance and so on. How to articulate the value of your offers, how to create that sell out offer suite for your business, and which platform you should choose, what kind of content machine you should build in order to solidify your foundation and also to be able to attract the right type of clients and generate the income and impact as well. So if you are one of those crisis center female founders, 
and you would like to have a community that needs to support you at a very, very reasonable price. Well, we have a funding member price promotion at the moment. Just go to kellybala.com forward slash founder for detailed information. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I already either introduced you in the uh, introduction. Uh, so, uh, but we always love to hear, you know, uh, our experts' personal journey. And so uh, I would like to ask your first question. It's, you know, uh, what kind of role that does God play in your business? Today, when we go to your website, today we have seen that what you have achieved uh, we see that, wow, everything is all well put together, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, maybe you are one of those few people uh, like, you know, you you always that when you got started, you just invite God to your business right away. Or, you know, like myself and a lot of other people, you know, we kind of learn a hard lesson. Um, and so, yeah, share with us that maybe generally speaking, you know, how did you arrive today, you know, become such an expert uh, in your business and also that what kind of role that does God play in your business? Yeah, that's a great question, Kelly. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I started out in sales when I was 18 years old. I sold Cutco kitchen knives, if you've heard of those. Very expensive nice knife sets in the United States. And I went from that into financial planning and I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life. And I remember a day that God called me into coaching. I had hired coaches but in the past, and there was a moment where I was walking home from work, and I almost went weak at the knees. I felt like God hit me in the chest with a message that I was supposed to be a coach. And, uh, and I had not imagined that prior to that day. Like I had not imagined leaving my job, but it was so clear. It was like the first time in my life I felt like God like spoke directly to me. And I quit my job the next day, which was really scary, but I was young and single and didn't have that much financial need. And uh, and then I went from that into working for the coach that I had. He offered me to work in his business as a lead salesperson. And I had four years helping us build a multiple seven-figure business there as the lead salesperson. And in that company... In, as in many personal development companies, I think it became very spiritual, but it was not Christian. And that divide became wider and wider and wider. And over time, it began to feel like the company was not in alignment with my faith and that the spiritual practices were missing like the true spirit of God. And so I had this, this kind of decision point where I felt like I had to decide, was I going to stay there or was there the potential for me to do similar work? but Christ-centered work. And I felt like God was calling me to that. And so I remember quitting that job to start Faith to Influence and being really scared the first few months and nervous and tossing and turning at night, not sure if it was going to work out or not. And uh, and I remember having to like surrender to God again and again and again and trust him when I was doubting myself. And in our first year, we did over $250,000 in business and God really showed up in a huge way. But again and again, in those early months, I had to just surrender and let go because I, I wasn't strong enough on my own and I doubted myself. And if I just put my faith in God, it became easier. Well, I'm glad you shared that. And now I think a lot of listeners or viewers on YouTube are going to have this question. First year, over $250,000. Can you tell us 
what did you do yeah. <laughs> and who you serve and how did you make that? On the, of course, we know on top of it, it's God's uh, wisdom. Yeah, yeah, no doubt God's blessing. I'll start by saying this, Kelly. I did not imagine that that was possible for me. I remember telling my wife at the time that, man, if if we could just show like $50,000 of revenue, like show that this was going to work, uh, then I could keep doing it. And if not, I was going to go get another job. And And I didn't think that it was going to be a multiple six-figure business in the first year. But I think there were a few things beyond God's blessing that like had prepared me for that. And I'll say the, the four years working for uh, my previous company, I learned how to sell. You know, I've, I've held thousands, at this point, probably 7,000 or more sales strategy sessions for high ticket coaching packages. And I was exposed to a lot of different coaches in that career. And it gave me the opportunity to see a lot of people's price points. And I learned a lot about how to design a business model, how to price it, and how to sell. And I think that most new coaches are well-prepared to be a great coach. They're well-prepared to love on their clients. They're well-prepared for service. But many of them are not well-prepared in designing their business and pricing it. They're, they're not really sure how to do that. And even more than that, many are afraid of sales and they practice sales avoidance. You know, I know a lot of coaches who are revising their website for the fourth time. They don't even have any clients yet. They're on their website. They're doing all these other things. Maybe they even have a podcast, but they haven't made any sales yet because they're doing a lot of busy activities, but not doing sales focused activities. And because I was used to doing sales focused activities as my full-time job uh, with my previous coaching company, when I started my own, it just felt really natural to focus on the sales activities that would bring in clients in a high integrity way. And so I think those were the things that were most important was knowing how to sell, feeling comfortable selling, but also knowing how to design and price my program. Okay. So now I think that is such a strong reminder like, you know, uh, what kind of activities that we are focusing on every day, right? Uh, a lot of us that we try to avoid the sales activities and be busy on others and why it doesn't, that's why we don't have the result to show for us. So guys, if you're one of those people, you know, don't feel condemned, but it's a serve as a strong reminder. And this is this is your cue, okay? You are praying. Maybe today you are praying for breakthrough. Well, this is one of those. Uh, I just feel like to say that. And since we are on that topic, right, um, can you tell us, though, again, a lot of people at this point say, like, great, I know you have a strong foundation of sales. And uh, uh, what would you say that, again, how did you get your clients in those early years? Yes. Okay. That's a great question too. And it also lends to another thing that was happening over the years before starting my coaching business is that I was preparing myself in a couple of different ways. One, I was developing this skill set around sales, and that's what I coach people on. Uh, and it also is a skill set, of course, that I use to attract my own clients. But at the same time, I was trying to show up in the marketplace and in my network with high integrity and great character, building deep relationships, trusting relationships. And so I know that some coaches are maybe struggling right now or, or feeling like they're not where they want to be yet. And I just want to encourage them if they're showing up honorably in the marketplace and they're building good relationships and they're giving to people generously, 
uh, in the way that they show up with their time, their finances, their resources, their gifts, those things really add up too. And so what I ended up doing when I started my business to bring in these clients was I made a list. I made actually two lists simultaneously on a, a spreadsheet. And one was all the people who I thought were potential prospects for my business. They fit my ideal client profile. I think that that's an important first step. We need to know who we want to work with, what we want to help them with, and why it matters. I call that your mission statement, who you want to work with, what you want to help them with, and why it matters. If we're clear on that, then we can make this list. And so I went through my phone, every single contact, and I simultaneously like made two lists. One was all the people who I thought fit my ideal client profile, which you know for me now, it's Christian coaches. And then I made a second list of all the people I knew who didn't fit that profile, but could be a referral partner. So maybe they were a Christian, but not a coach. Maybe they were a coach, but not a Christian, but a good friend of mine. And I knew that those were people I could have conversations with, tell them what I'm doing, who I want to work with and ask for referrals. And so those lists, I think the, the prospecting list was like 70 people or something. And then the referral list was like 100 people. Beyond going through my phone, I went through every single person on my Facebook friend list, every person on my LinkedIn. I mean, went through every name. This took hours to make the list. And then, of course, the opportunity was to message those people, which I know is scary for some. But I just sent messages. I said, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm starting a new business. This is what I'm doing. I inserted my mission statement. And I said, if you're open to it, I'd love to have a call with you to share more, learn about what you're up to and see how we can support each other or see if it may be a fit for you or someone you know. And that kind of text message yielded a lot of calls. And on those calls, I executed on our 10-step sales process. And you know, I'd done that for years, so I was comfortable with it to a certain degree. And I invited people to buy. And I think that that's the most important thing is to think of sales as an invitation more than anything else. And if we, our job isn't to make the decision for anyone, but our job is to invite. And so we just need to get in conversations with real people and invite them to buy. And I think that that's the most important thing. If we work through our natural market and referrals, people we know, people we've been referred to, those are the warmest, easiest sales to make. Okay, so guys, I think a lot of you now probably kind of, kind of have aha moments, right? Um, I was kind of expecting a little bit like in this kind of a, a feedback, the reply, okay. Uh, because I came from the similar background of, you know, uh, I was knock, knocking on the door to door-to-door sales mm-hmm. to uh, when I was in the university to earn my tuition. I was summer, during the summer, I was uh, doing also all, all different kind of commission-based uh, sales job. And so I was comfortable to reach out. Uh, because, uh, well, nowadays, write a message, reach out is much better than chasing by the dog or obisdua <laughs> 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 of uh, something else. And so uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because a lot of low-hanging fruits actually is within our own reach, mm-hmm. right? Um, so then now the next question comes, people say, well, Justin, that sounds so great. Okay, now I will go through my, you know, take out my phone, go through my content list and all that. Uh, now they will say, well, but I don't know what to say, you mm. know, uh, either, you know, during the sales calls or, uh, how to, um, reach out in that message. But that is why we're going to put a, a link in our show note. What Justin just mentioned that, uh, it's a wonderful, uh, PDF documents and that 10 step, uh, of 
how Justin does sales uh, is free, you know. So just make sure you go to the show note and you will get that. Now, um, let me ask you a question, though. Uh, a lot of people like to know, coaches, consultants, expert-based business. Um, how do you structure the sales call? Yeah. Right? yeah. Because I think that's one of the things that people say, well, you know, yeah, I they probably already receive a lot of all different kinds of scripts type, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you say this in the first sentence, if they object, you say these kind of sentences. So how about you? How did yeah. you construct the sales call? Okay, that's that's a really great question. And, and I'm not going to use like a script like that as much as it's bullets points. There are certain points, a couple of moments during the sales conversation that may be somewhat scripted. But I think great questions and deep conversations are so much more valuable than scripted lines. There is a structure, though, that needs to be followed. And and, and first, I just want to say that what we believe about sales really matters. I, I, I know a lot of people believe sales is pushy or greedy or bad, or they've got some old story about sales being bad. And if we believe that, we're going to have sales resistance. We're not going to want to lean into something that feels bad or wrong or like it hurts the other person. For me, I believe that sales when done right is simply making it as easy as possible for the right people to say yes. I believe sales when done right feels like coaching. It feels like leadership. It feels like love even. It can be an expression of an opportunity to help somebody get more of what they want or become more of what God created them to become. And so that's really special. And so I believe rather than sales being bad, I believe sales is good, which is why our our, our uh, URL is goodsalespdf.com good sales. I believe sales is good when it's done right. And so because of that, that's how this this process is designed. It's really conversational. I think that listeners will find that it's like high integrity. Do you want me to run over like the 10 steps in like brief, like in a couple of minutes, if I can? Yeah, sure. Sure. That'd be great. Okay. I'll give you the short overview. You can get a little bit more from the PDF as well. but, But the first step is to get into the peak emotional state before you get on the call. And so that means like knowing that if you feel good, you're going to get better results than if you don't feel good. And so you might take a minute before the call and listen to a worship song that you love or pray. We prayed before this podcast. And as you prayed for me, Kelly, I felt so much more prepared and so much more ready. Like God was with me in this. And so praying to God for support, uh, you can dance around or do some pushups. You can breathe. You can meditate. You can drink water. But some pre-call ritual to feel good is important. And then the second step is to get into rapport with the person. And that happens by just saying, Hey, how are you? And how's your day been? And it's a brief connecting point. But what I'm really paying attention to over a minute or two is how do people communicate? And I'm paying attention to like, how are they doing emotionally? I want to meet them where they're at emotionally. And I want to mirror some of like their communication to make it easy for us to trust each other and feel comfortable. So if somebody speaks a little bit louder, I'm going to raise my volume a little bit. If they speak a little quieter, I'm going to quiet down my volume a little bit. If somebody's faster, they want to get to the point in their communication, I'm going to go a little bit faster and be a little bit more direct. If somebody likes to take their time and tell stories, I'm going to slow down, take my time and tell an extra story or two and connect with them in that way. And so that that part's important. But then what I really want to do is transition from rapport, from that one minute of connection into the pre-frame of the conversation. And this to me is the most important part. The pre-frame is where we set the stage for what's going to happen next. We structure the call. We also get consent to sell. And so my pre-frame is going to sound something like this, like, hey, Kelly, thanks so much for taking the time to connect today. I want to make the best use of your time and mine. 
So I'd just like to lay out a simple structure for this call. Would that be okay? Yes, cool. The reason we're talking is Sean Q tells me that you're a great person, a great coach of Christian leaders. And I work with Christian coaches to help them optimize their business model, their pricing, and their sales strategies so they can scale their income and scale their impact. My outcome on a call like this is to get to know you a bit and to discover whether or not it's a fit for us to work together. And the way I'd like to get to that outcome is by asking you a series of questions about where you're at in your business right now, what your vision for the future is, and what some of the challenges are that you're facing. From there, I can give you some perspective and coaching based on what I hear. And if it seems like a good fit, I'll explain really specifically at the end how I work with my clients so that you and I can decide either to work together or not work together. And either way is fine. Does that sound good? That's like the one part in the beginning of the conversation that's really scripted for me. And when they say yes there, they've given me consent. They know what's coming. I've provided like some leadership. And then I'm just going to execute on what I pre-framed there. So I'm going to ask them questions in discovery about their present and past. I'm going to be super curious. I'm going to ask them questions in vision about their future and what they really want. And you can do this in no matter what you're coaching people on, their marriage, their fitness, their business. What do, what do they really want? And then from there, what's the gap? What's the biggest challenge they're facing? Let's find that problem that they need to solve. And then I want to do a step called potential futures and say, what's going to happen if you don't solve this problem? And ask some curious questions about that and really try to understand. And what would happen if you did? What would life and business be like if you did solve that problem? And then I want to ask if they're committed to solving the problem. How committed are you to solving this problem? And if they're committed, I want a little statement of certainty. If you're committed, I'm confident I can help. Would you be ready to hear how I work with my clients? I'm going to ask for consent one more time. Are you ready to hear how I work with my clients? And then I'm going to make my offer, receive any questions and objections they might have, ask curious follow-up questions there, and ultimately decide whether or not we're going to move forward. That's my process. And if you have that kind of bulleted out, like what, what it's really going to feel like is a conversation. We should be masters of great questions more than having great statements to share. And we want the other person to feel really understood, really received, really heard and seen. That's what's uh, important about the sales conversation and help them make the best decision for them. Yeah, I love the way you say it. In, very important is they feel they are seen and they are heard. And basically, uh, I love to explain to my clients, it's almost like they already, well, they actually already experienced the style of your coaching mm -hmm. during that call, right? Yes. Uh, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, in America, you guys go to Costco, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you have a lot of vendors that give you a piece of sample to take. Mm -hmm. And if it's yummy, then you're going to end up buying a whole box. Mm -hmm. Not every single time, but most of the time. <laughs> so it's a little bit like you need to that your content or let's say you were in this in this case is a sale during the sales call. Yeah. You need to that let your client have a kind of taste of how you how you're gonna help them. And so it's either it's a great fit or not. Right. Um so it's it's really no pressure at all. Um so what would you say now? I got this asked all the time, and I'm sure you as well. Uh, they say, well, Justin or Kelly, you know, uh, you guys told me that I need to be persistent. Sales is uh, from the follow up, but I don't want to show that I'm pushy. Right. Mm. So how do I do that? Yeah. OK, really good question. And I, I, I think I've got a three part answer to this as you're asking it that popped in my mind immediately. 
The first is uh, at the end of a sales call, like when there's objections and things like that, being persistent without being pushy is about being curious and calm. Uh, so it's to say, I, under, I understand it is a big investment. Tell me more about that. Is my how we might respond to an objection. Or I totally get it. I'd talk to my spouse about this as well. Let me ask you a question. Have you made your decision for you yet? If he says, whatever you think, babe, do you know what you want to do? These kinds of like calm, curious responses while validating how the other person feels is a way to be really persistent without being pushy at the end of a sales call and to seek to find truth. And it just requires a little bit of courage to ask those extra questions. Being persistent in prospecting probably looks different if it's a follow-up with somebody you've already talked to versus if it's somebody you're talking to for the first time. If I'm like sending a message to somebody from that initial list trying to line up a call, and let's say I send that text and they don't respond, the next day, I might just send a simple message that says, hey, just checking back in on this and give them an opportunity to respond again. If they don't respond to that second message, I'll maybe wait a couple of days and a third attempt if you want to be persistent. I'm going to send a funny GIF or GIF, which is like that moving video. Uh, And I've got one that has the cookie monster and he's wearing a tie and he's like holding his head in his hand and he's tapping his fingers on the table like he's waiting. And it's just funny. Like people laugh at that. So it's a way to be persistent, but doesn't feel pushy. It just feels funny. So I try to interrupt the pattern on that third attempt. And if I wanted to make a fourth attempt a few days later, if they hadn't responded, like I don't typically do this as much now. I've got a really full pipeline. But when I was with my former company, I always made four attempts. Like and if you've only got a handful of leads, you feel like you're light on leads, you should make four attempts. The fourth attempt is letting them off the hook in a loving way that allows you to not be pushy, be the opposite of that, just be professional. And so in that fourth attempt, I say something like, like, hey, John, I'm guessing that it's just a really busy season for you right now. I totally get it. I've been there. I'm just going to make a note to follow up with you in three months and see if it's a better time for us to talk then. People will respond to that message and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I've been meaning to get back to you. Or if they don't, I can follow up in three months and I'm not being pushy. I'm being persistent. I'm being professional. And that next follow-up in three months, I'm going to say, hey, just like I promised, I wanted to follow up and just check in one more time. Would you be open to having a call about this? And if they don't respond there, I'm just going to let it go. But I've, I've given my, my best effort there and I haven't done anything to blame them at any point. I've just taken ownership. Like, hey, it's super busy. Like, I get it. I've closed the loop on it after that fourth attempt. So it's not just this open hanging thing. And a final answer is when we've had a call with somebody. I just did a podcast episode on our, our podcast the other day on this. I, I want to end every call with yes, no, or the next call booked. So if somebody's not a yes or a no for my program, they want to think about it. They want to talk to their spouse. They want to pray about it, whatever it is. If I just left that open and said like, oh, they'll contact me or something, then I'm like, okay, should I text them? Have I waited long enough? And then if they don't respond to that, when should I text them again? Is their phone turned off? Like, did they just miss it? Should I email them? It becomes this awkward thing. Um, that ends up being stressful and it can feel pushy to follow up. But if we don't follow up, the opportunity is lost. So if I get to the end of the call and they're not a yes or no, I'm going to say, I totally get it. Like, I I would want to think about a big decision like this too. Why don't you take a day or two to think about it? And then let's sign up a 15 minute call so that we can come together and I can answer any final questions you have and we can make that decision together. Would you rather talk tomorrow or would Friday be better? And I'm going to get them to line up a 15 minute call with me in the calendar. So I don't have to text. I don't have to follow up at all. I just need to show up to that next call. And it gives us both a little bit of a deadline. 
And people always show up to that next call with me. I'm trying to have that next call in a day or two, but I would go up to a week if I need to. If they want more time than that, I might have a conversation about uh, moving forward with momentum and and asking their permission to have that call a little bit sooner and telling them I'm going to respect them whether they say yes or no, but let's come to a place of decision together. Are you open to that? And that's leadership. That's persistence without being pushy. That makes follow-up virtually non-existent and super easy. And even if somebody is like, oh, this isn't the right time, maybe six months from now, I'll be like, sounds great. Like, can we just line up that call now? Like, I know that's far in advance, but that way neither one of us will forget. We'll have the call on our calendar. As it gets closer, if you need to move the time or I need to move the time, we can just message each other, but then we'll have a standing call so we can talk in six months. And I will do that and make a sale on that call in six months, but I don't have to follow up with them at all. It's already in my calendar. That is so great because that was one of another FAQ uh, from my audience uh, say that, well, you know, and get so crazy, like, what should I do next? Should I follow up? Should I, you know? <laughs> um, the curious though, when you say you, uh, when they don't have a yes or no on a call and then you invite them to say, okay, that's a Google call, 15 minutes call in the next 24 to 40 hours. Um what is the percentage of they did show up or they just send an email to you say, no, this is not the right time? Uh, 95% show up, maybe 90% show up and, and five or 10% would send me an email ahead of time and just say, no, it's just not for me. I can generally, if you have a really good conversation where you're courageous with the questions you're asking and you're curious and you seek to really understand if your sales call goes really well, you probably know by the end of the call whether or not they're a fit. And they probably know to a certain degree also. And so I'm going to make it easier for people to, to say no um, rather than like set a follow-up they're not actually interested in. If you if somebody's actually interested in the follow-up, then they're probably going to get on that call with me. Uh, there's a chance they won't, but, but 90% I would say do. If you weren't sure whether or not somebody should actually have a follow-up and maybe they're just trying to be polite by saying they want to think about it, but they're actually trying to say no, I might say something like, are you, are you sincere? Can I just check in? Like, are you sincere that you really think you might move forward with this? Like, should we line up another call in the next couple of days to talk about it and make a decision? Or do you feel like it's just not the right time right now? And we should like, po- you know, put follow up on the, uh, like three months or six months from now or something like I can check in like that. And then they could say, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I, I want to really think about this and I'd, I'd be open to talking the next couple of days. Or they can say, you know what? Six months could feel better. Now, I'm not going to ask that if I'm confident that they are ready to make a decision in the next couple of days. But if I'm uncertain, I might ask, like, how sincere are you about moving forward right now? Does this feel like something you really want to consider in the next few days? Or does it feel like it's not the right time? Okay. Now, guys, so now hopefully that clarifies because I kind of know that you know, what you guys are thinking about. And then, uh, so I'm kind of, uh, hopefully, I don't feel that, but hopefully I did not put Justin on the spot to answer those questions. But Justin, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today. Yeah. Uh, it's really a very, I think this section is such a critical, uh, uh, I mean, it's a critical episode uh, for you guys. Maybe you want to consider to re-listen or re-watch again. And again, now you kind of feel that you really need to go to get that PDF, right? <laughs> so just make sure that you will go to our show note, which is candyballer.com forward slash podcast. Super easy. And then you're able to get a 
get get to that PDF, and it's a totally complimentary. But please don't just download. I think Justin and I we will both hope that literally that's our prayer. Okay, that um before we hop on to record, that we say that you know God will bring the right people to this podcast, this episode specifically, this episode. And you guys will take action. The whole point is for you to take action so you will be able to see the result that you have been uh, praying for or desiring for. So any departing wisdom, Justin, when it comes to sales, uh, let's say, actually, I like to call it sales leadership uh, in this area for uh, coaches, consultants, experts. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll leave with this. What you believe about yourself what you believe about sales, what you believe about money really matters. Like your internal mindsets around these things make such a big difference. If you believe that sales is good, if you believe that money is a tool to be generous and to give back, you're going to have less resistance to those two things. And more specifically, like if you believe in yourself that you're a great coach and a great leader and a great salesperson, you're going to get on the call and operate as such. And people are going to trust that and feel that from you as well and make it really easy for the right people to say yes. But if you've got some negative self-talk and some old stories and soundtracks running around in your mind that are disempowering about who you are, that's going to make things a lot harder. And so there's three ways to empower your identity if it's feeling disempowered. And one is to just write positive I am statements. I am a great coach. I am a great leader. I am a great person. I am generous. And to read them again and again. A second way is to pray for God to support you on the journey of developing a more empowered identity. And a third way is to surround yourself with good people who speak life into you, who believe in you, who encourage you. Uh, People like Kelly, you know, listening to this podcast is one way to do that. But finding community that's really supportive of who you are and sees you for the best of who you are. And so if we work on that inner game first, then all of the tactics around sales become a lot more natural and easy as well. I am so glad you mentioned that because here, you know, uh, we are always talking about identity aligned success. Uh, before you want to solve other people's problem, make the money that you desired. The first of all, that what you need to do is the inner work. There's just no way around it. So thank you so much, Justin, for uh, coming on the show. And uh, um, so, guys, please go to download that PDF and take action. How did you enjoy the episode? Did you take a lot of notes? Remember, if you want that PDF, just go to kellyballer.com forward slash podcast. This is one of those episodes that you would like to save and download it, rewatch, or re-listen to it to digest. And may I suggest that remember to invite Holy Spirit to guide you to shine a light on which area you could learn more or to improve on. Remember what Justin mentioned that in order to grow, you need to get wisdom and guidance from God and also from people being there already. Also, be in a community who will speak life on you. Well, that's what she inherited Founder Academy for. It's a place to be for courageous Christ-centered female founders to experience God's unwearing love and guidance to soar to their highest level of profit and influence without having it carrying the burden of figuring everything out all by themselves. In short, 
real women building real business and serving a real God. To learn more and to be one of the 100 the founding members to enjoy special pricing and perks, go to kellyballer.com forward slash founder. I will see you in the next episode. Hi there. If you have found this episode resonating with you, would you please consider to take a moment? Just drop a review on Apple Podcast. It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content week in and week out. Please go to kellyballer.com forward slash review. Again, that's kellyballer.com forward slash review. We really appreciate it. And you will also help more fellow Christian CEOs find this podcast. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Christian CEO Podcast at www.kellybotter.com.